This message is presented by Pastor Chuck Wilson. Okay, here we go. Moving forward in Revelation. We're in Revelation 1, 4 to 8. It's, this is the greeting and doxology. We uh, just saw the beginning with the blessing, how to really be happy. And now we move to the second part, the doxology and greeting. And the title is, Look, It's Superman. <laughs> One of my favorite shows as a kid, all of us, our favorite show was Superman. And you would start out with, and I'm talking about the original Superman. It would start out with faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to jump Leap, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, the narrator would say. And then all of a sudden, look, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. And we'd all be so excited. Oh, we couldn't wait. Well, we're going to see the real Superman today flying through the air. The real Superman today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this, the book of Revelation, which gives us hope in the midst of many difficult things that are going on in our world and in our country and in our lives. Lord, we just thank you for the hope that we have, knowing that you are in control and you are going to win in the end. And we're in on that. So we just thank you, Lord. I pray that every person hearing this would have that hope. And if anybody has never put their faith in Jesus, that this would be the day. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we, like I said, first few verses were about the blessing, how to be happy. Hope you heard that. This is part, next part, so listen to the other one first. Verses four through six, here we go. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ who is faithful, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve as God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So we're starting out with a greeting in doxology. We're going to go to the next couple of verses too today. So first of all, the greeting. He says the greeting to the seven churches in Asia. The seven churches in Asia. Asia was a Roman province. It's called modern day Turkey, modern-day Turkey, there were seven churches that are being talked about here in Revelation. We're going to see them in chapters 2 and 3. But basically, God has prophetically picked these seven churches that were existent at that time. They were actual churches in history. He prophetically picked them because they... The, the characteristics of these seven churches apply to all of us today, but they also represent seven times in church history that we're going to see, seven uh, times that we're going to see that they represent as we go throughout church history. Okay, we're going to see that. So anyway, the map will be over here. I've got this map on my side on the screen, but we'll have the map up right beside you. And if you start with Ephesus, you see Ephesus down in the bottom left-hand corner, and you just go clockwise all the way around back to Laodicea. Laodicea, and that is the, uh, the the seven churches we're going to look at. It was a male root at this time. The idea was this was passed from to all seven churches. It would just go from city to city to city, and that's the way it kind of, that's the way it worked, and that's how the Holy Spirit wrote this. And He gives them a greeting to the seven churches. He says, "Grace and peace to you." Now, grace is a Greek word, and it means undeserved favor undeserved favor it means a gift and that's what our salvation is it's a gift ephesians 2 8 9 for it is by grace you have been saved for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves it is a gift from god not by works so that no one 
can boast. So it's all about our salvation, that it's a gift that we receive by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. We need it for salvation, and then we need grace on our daily life. In fact, Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We are saved by grace, it's a gift, and we live by God's grace daily. We put our faith in God's grace for salvation, and then we daily live by faith in God's grace, depending on His strength every day for our sanctification. So he says, great grace and peace to you. The word peace is Hebrew, just like grace is Greek. The word peace is Hebrew. It means peace of mind and heart. And this comes from a right relationship with God. A right relationship. The moment we put our faith in Jesus, we say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I put my faith and trust in him for that forgiveness. And I give my life to Jesus. The moment you do that, you receive you, you make peace with God. You have a new relationship of peace with Him and, and that daily relationship, that daily fellowship that we have with Him gives us a daily peace. God wants all of us to have this peace. No matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, even persecution, even end times, which is we're going to be going through here in the book of Revelation and maybe even already going through in our, in our world today. He wants us to still have peace and we can have that peace. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We can have that daily peace no matter what we're going through by that daily time of prayer and petition and that, that intimacy with Jesus Christ. That's how we have it. Okay, so then he tells us, uh, let's see here, back to Revelation 1, 4 through 5, let me read it to you, John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, tells us where we can get this peace, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Okay, so he tells us where we can get this supernatural peace that he's talking about, where we can have it, this grace and peace. And he gives three different sources from him who is, was, and is to come. Who is he talking about? Common title for God. Exodus 3.14, where it says, God said, the Lord said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And the, the, the Jewish rabbis talking about Exodus 3.14 and we can apply it right here to Revelation 1, 4 and 5 where it says, God meant I was and I still am and in the future I will be. I'm going to say that again. God meant I was, I still am and in the future I will be. Who's this talking about? God the Father. God the Father. We know that's what it's talking about, okay? Then it says the seven spirits before the throne. The second source of our peace and grace that we have. The seven spirits before the throne. Or, if you look at the little footnote there, the sevenfold spirit. The sevenfold spirit. Probably referring to the sevenfold spirit here. Referring to the Holy Spirit. Perfect completeness, sevenfold <clears throat> referring to the Holy Spirit because you look at the context. It's sandwiched in between God the Father and then we have the Spirit, sevenfold Spirit and then we come to the, the next part, next, the third source, which is 
the Son. Jesus Christ. It says Jesus Christ. So in between God the Father and Jesus Christ, sevenfold spirit, very, very likely the Holy Spirit there. And it tells us three things about Jesus Christ. He's also a source of our grace and peace. It tells us three things here in Revelation. It says he was, fa- he was a faithful witness. Faithful witness. The word is martus. Martus. What does that remind you of? Martyr. Martyr. He was faithful unto death. Just like martyrs are faithful unto death. He was faithful unto death. But he's also the faithful witness. Faithful martus. We can trust his witness. He's faithful. What he says here in Revelation, we know that it's true. How do we know it's true? Because Jesus Christ is truth. John 14, 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It doesn't say he has the truth. He says he is the truth. He is the truth. And all truth comes from Jesus Christ. It's, so he's the faithful witness. He's also the firstborn from the dead. The firstborn from the dead. Notice he didn't say he's the first to be resurrected from the dead because he wasn't the first to be resurrected from the dead. We know that Elijah raised a child from the dead, the little boy. Elisha raised a little boy from the dead. Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus Christ. Jesus also raised a little boy and a little girl from the dead. So they, he wasn't the first to be resurrected from the dead, but he's the firstborn from the dead. He was the first to rise with a glorified body. All those other people who resurrected died again. They died. Only Jesus did not die again. Once he resurre- resurrected from the dead, he lived for eternity. He's still alive today, but he's the first to rise from the dead. The first, the word uh, in the Greek is prototokos, prototokos, uh, say that 10 times fast. And we get, it's where we get the word prototype from, the prototype. He's, the prototype is the first of a new creation, right? The new, something you make new. And Jesus is the first of a new order. He's the first to rise from the dead with a new body and live forever. And he made the way for us the prototype made the way for us to get our new bodies and live forever. It also says about Jesus that he is the ruler of kings. Ruler of kings. In Colossians 1.16 it says this, For he has rescued us from the dominant dominion of darkness and brought us into the... Wait, I'm reading the wrong one. Uh, Colossians 1.16 Hold on, I, read, I circled the wrong verse here. Um, oh, here he is. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He created them. He's a ruler of the kings. He created them. And, he, and Jesus is talking to these people who are being tempted to worship the emperor. He says, don't worship the emperor. I made him. He's just dirt. And it goes for the prince that is controlling the murderous emperors also. The same emperors that are murdering the Christians. He's talking, uh, the, the, um, they're murdering the, 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 the emperors are murdering Christians, but they're being driven by their leader, their king, their ruler, who is Satan himself. He says, don't worry about him either because he is defeated. John chapter 12, verse 31. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now... The prince of this world will be driven out. Right before the cross, we know what happened on the cross. Verse 32, But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Jesus Christ defeated that ruler, defeated Satan by the cross. And then we come back to Revelation 1, where we see the rest, we saw the uh, greeting, and now we see the doxology. 
the doxology where it says, oh, let's see here, 5b, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Once again, if you have your Bibles, as I go through this, you can turn in your Bibles and follow along uh, through Revelation. You can hit the pause button and look it up and read it and reread it and then turn it back on again. But here's the doxology. It says, uh, to him who loves us, who loves us. This is the only time in the New Testament that love, God's love, is in the present tense. Revelation, did you realize that? Revelation, this is the only time, Revelation tells us that Jesus Christ loves us right now. Right now he loves us. If you are his child, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have acted on God's love, if you acted on the love of Jesus Christ, he, he, he loves you, loves you right now. No matter how bad we mess up. Some of us mess up once in a while. <coughs> uh, anywho, he loves us the same. He loves us. You know, you ever you ever have a, a, a little baby, and sometimes you pick up that baby, and they're so cute and everything. Oh, they're so cute. And other times you pick up that baby, and they got a dirty diaper. When do you love them more? Same. You love the baby the same. You prefer to pick them up when they don't have a dirty diaper. Uh, you, you're hoping that your wife is around so she can change that diaper. Otherwise, you're stuck doing it. Uh, hint, hint. But anyway, the that that is that. No matter what. What? God loves us the same no matter what. Have you acted? <clears throat> Have you acted on God's love? Are you loved by Jesus Christ? John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If you want to enter into a love relationship with God the Father, you have to act on his love. The gift of his son Jesus dying on the cross and give your life to Jesus Christ. Jesus, it says here that he freed us. Not only does he love us, but it says he freed us from sin by his blood. That's the proof of his love. That he freed us from sin by his own blood. Romans 8, 5, 8. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died to us. We were slaves to sin. We were Satan's POWs. But at that time, when we were still in the enemy camp, we're still enemies of God. Romans 5 tells us Jesus died on the cross to pay for our penalty. He set us free. He walked in the middle of the court case and, and, and walked in and took our punishment on himself. We were all guilty in God's sight. We are all lawless rioters in God's sight. It's on video. It's just a matter of time for it catches up with us. We are enemies of God. <clears throat> we are guilty of every crime imaginable. And yet at that time, when we were still in that place, enemies of God, his own son, Jesus Christ, died for us. That's how God showed his love to us. He died for us. And not only did he love, not only does he love us, not only did he free us, but he also made us a kingdom of priests. A kingdom of priests to serve God and to bring him glory. Kingdom of priests. The kingdom. We are royalty in God's sight. We're part of his kingdom. We are royalty. Romans 8.15 says, uh, Oh, I know I'm going to forget. But, oh, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba. 
Father. We were adopted by God. We became sons of God, actual sons of God. We be, the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can now call God your daddy. Your daddy. Imagine the most the person you look up to most on this planet. Could be a politician, could be a you know, a sports star could be whoever. And, and somebody says, oh boy, I'd love to spend the day with him. This is what God has done. He's made it so we can spend the day and eternity with him. Now and forever with him. We can actually call God our daddy. The most intimate term imaginable. And not only are we royalty, but we're also priests. Now a priest in the Bible had access to God. He served God. That's what a priest did. A priest was set apart. In the Old Testament, you see the priests were set apart. They were holy, set apart, holy, and they were called to live holy. That's what they were called to do. <clears throat> Exodus 19, 5 and 6, although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me, you will be before me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He says, God says, the whole earth is mine, but I'm picking you, the Jewish people, as my chosen people to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And guess what? The, that same promise has been out. The baton is also handed to us too. It's still, they're still God's chosen people and they're still going to be, wait till we get to the end of the revelation and see what happens with the Jewish people. God has not forgotten them. The time of the Gentiles that Daniel talked about is going to run its course and they're going to be recalled, total recall, and, and they're going to be recalled. But in the meantime, God has now allowed us to share in those same blessings as, as priests and as a holy nation. In fact, in 1 Peter 2, in 1 Peter 2, 5, it says this about us. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Does this sound familiar? A holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We, we, we have that, that same access, that same priesthood. Some of you grew up in churches where there was a special priest in your church or in your tradition, and, and they had special access to God for you. No! The Bible says we are all priests. Now, it doesn't mean that it's bad to have a priest as long as it's seen as a pastoral role. They, the priests are wonderful pastors and, and help shepherd the flock, but, but that doesn't mean they have extra access. <clears throat> no, no. The Bible says the priesthood of all believers, we all have the same access through one mediator. There's one mediator between God and men. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Now, now that we have seen what Jesus Christ did for us, let's look at what he's going to do for us. We already know what he did. Let's see what he's going to do. Let's go to verse, uh, back to Re Revelation 1, verses 7 and 8, where it says, Look, look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him, so shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Verse 7, look, it's Superman, look, 
The word is often translated behold. It designates a special divine intervention. Behold. John, the same John who wrote the book of Revelation. Uh, no, no. Yeah. Same John who wrote the book of Revelation in John 1.29 where he records the words of John the Baptist. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world takes away the sin of the world. The Apostle John recording the words of John the Baptist. The same thing on the first coming. He says, Behold! And we see it again. Behold! Again, the divine intervention. says he's coming with the clouds. Coming with the clouds. Does that sound familiar? Remember in Daniel, in the book of Daniel, we just got done going through that. In Daniel 7.13, Daniel says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of day and was led into his presence. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, led into God the Father's presence. We talked about that. Hope you listened to that one. It says, then back to Dan, uh, <coughs> back to Revelation 1, every eye will see him. We talked about this in Matthew 24. Every eye will see him. Matthew 24, verse 27. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Everybody sees the lightning. We're all going to see the Son of Man coming. Every eye will see Him. Even those who pierced Him. Even those who pierced Him will see Him. Uh, who, uh, who, is, who are the ones who pierced Him? Well, we know our sin pierced Him. We know the Roman soldiers pierced Him. But he's referring to someone else who pierced him. He's, re he's referring here to the Jews who rejected their Messiah as the ones who pierced them there. Now we all share in the piercing of Jesus. It's our sin, the Romans, the Jews, but he's specifically talking about the Jewish people here. In fact, in Zechariah 12, verse 10, Zechariah 12, 10 says this, And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. This is talking about the end time, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Guess what? <laughs> He's coming back to the Jews. <laughs> He's coming back to Jerusalem. There has to be a Jewish nation there. He's coming back to Jerusalem. It's their capital now. He's coming back there. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem... Uh, I will pour out on them a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. Here we are in the book of Zechariah, the, 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 the Jewish Bible, the Old Testament, saying that they're going to mourn for the one they pierced, the remnant that's alive, one-third of the Jews that survived the Antichrist in Armageddon. They are going to realize that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. They will realize they had rejected him, that they had pierced him. They will mourn and accept him as the one and only son. Prophecy in the book of Zechariah. Uh, take it up with Zechariah if you don't like it. All on earth will mourn. All, and then it says all on earth will mourn. But for a different reason. The Jews will mourn because of, of the piercing of their Messiah. But all on earth will mourn, but for a very different reason from the Jews. They, the, the rest of the earth that is here at this time that aren't Christians, that aren't the Jewish remnant that turns to Jesus, the rest are going to mourn because they have rebelled. They have received the mark of the beast, 666. They now face judgment. 
The, there's a, the mark of the Antichrist 666. We're not quite sure what that means, but be careful. I even believe many who claim to be Christian are going to take this mark. Why? Because the government says you have to. You know, we become like sheep, you know, just do whatever the government says. Do with the government. The one world government is going to tell the inhabitants of the earth they must take the mark of loyalty to the Antichrist. They're going to have, maybe it's a chip of some kind showing that we've jumped through all the hoops they want us to jump through so that we can buy and sell. No one will buy and sell. Anybody who does not take the mark will be hunted down like animals and will be persecuted and, and many, many millions will be martyred. Uh, but so don't take it. But I'm convinced that many people claim to be Christian. They're just going to take this mark. Well, how do I know? Because I see what they're doing now. I see them conforming to the, the God of this world now. I see them conforming, taking orders that, that make no spiritual sense, just going along with the crowd, believing everything that the world is throwing at them, being brainwashed, being conformed to this world instead of being transformed by God's word. I'm seeing it. Connect the dots. Connect the dots. All right? You know what I'm saying. Uh, we'll say more as we go. But the, the whole earth is going to mourn because now they face judgment. Revelation 6, verse 15. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich and mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountain. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? Ooh, it reminds me of 9-11. You remember 9-11? Most of you remember that. When Remember the response? You're watching TV and people just had this shock. They were just in shock. They were in total, totally bewildered there in New York City and different places. All of us were bewildered. And that's what it's going to look like when Jesus comes again, the wrath of the Lamb and, and of His Father on the throne. The world is going to mourn. And then, then, he's, then he ends by saying in Revelation 1, so shall it be. The Greek word, uh, nigh uh, is the same word in Hebrew that is amen. It's a solemn affirmation. So be it. It will happen. <laughs> Done. It's done. God guarantees this prediction. He guarantees it by his own omnipotence and his own eternal power. Back to Revelation 1 verse 8 where he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The Alpha and the Omega, this is the Greek alphabet, the first and the last. Alpha, he's the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We know who was in him in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the beginning, they and and the also the end, the Omega, God will have the last word. He's the creator and he's the terminator. He's the real one. God is in total control. This world is not going to end by nuclear war. It's not going to end by climate change. It's not going to end by some random asteroid. God's going to shoot down some asteroids. Read the book of Revelation. It's not going to end by some disease that breaks out, although there's going to be lots of death. Wait till we get to Revelation. But it's not going to end that way. God is in total control. It's all him. So obviously, oh, climate change. Listen, if there's climate change, if it's changing our climate, God's in control of that too. He's in total control. It's not man-made. It's not man-controlled. God is in control. He controls man. And if he's using that as a judgment, it's going to come no matter how many, how many, how hard we fight against it. God is in control. I'm not saying we shouldn't take care of our planet. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying God is in control.
in control. And there's nothing, we can't control it. God is in control. Who The Alpha and the Omega, who is, was, and is to come. Past, present, future. He is in control. The Almighty. says the Almighty. The word Almighty means power, strength, dominion, omnipotent. It's only used for God in, in the scriptures. Only God is uh, al- almighty and it's used for the first time in Genesis 17.1 taught when God is talking to Abraham. Abraham is 99 years old. His wife Sarah is 89. He says, you're going to have a son. I am the almighty. He can do anything. He's got the power. I can do anything. He's the Almighty. And not only with that a miraculous son, but he said, I'm going to have a miraculous son. And we see here in Revelation, the, the son all grown up, my only son, born of a virgin, will be back. It's a bold prediction. But, you know, Jesus is gone, right? He was de- dead on the cross, came back alive. Most A lot of people don't believe it. But he ascended into heaven. He's been gone for 2,000 years. He said he's coming back. He's coming back. He, he, I can do anything. It's a, I'm, I'm, I, it's, I can back it up because I'm the Almighty. Do you remember? I remember year, long ago. Oh, at least I know the story. I don't know if I remember the Super Bowl. But I remember the story. Joe Namath, Super Bowl, predicted a Super Bowl victory for the New York Jets. A huge underdog. Whole country said, no way. They won. The Jets won. He backed it up. This is a, this is a, a, a crazy prediction like that. That, that, look how long Jesus has been gone, but God said, uh, uh-uh. he will be back. You, this is meant to be encouragement to us as Christians. He's coming back. Encouragement to us, those who are being persecuted all over the world today. I'm stronger. Per, per, encouragement to the Christians who are being persecuted at this time. Well, you know, right at the time of John here. That he says, I'm stronger than the emperor. The same emperor who's killing people and lighting up like candles. I'm in control. I am stronger. I will. Ce- we will celebrate. You will celebrate a victory with me over that emperor. He's going to be cooking for all of eternity. I'm going to light him up for eternity. Don't worry. It's meant to encourage us that, that we are going to win. That we're going to live in victory. That Jesus Christ has already has the victory. And and this this encouragement to the, the the Christians in the first century is more relevant today than ever before. Very very relevant. It's, it's, the book of Revelation is. Vital. Vital for today. It's the climax. It's the climax of all the predictions. And the climax of this book is the second coming of Jesus Christ. That is the the climax of this story. 31 times in the book of Revelation, Jesus is going to come back again, it says. 31 times. It's all leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Listen, we, the world is a mess. The United States today is a mess. Maybe worse wherever, but it's going to get worse. In our country and in our world, read the book of Revelation, it's going to get worse, not better. But we have a different perspective. I remember talking to a couple ladies who were pastors, and we were talking one time at a pastor's meeting, and they were there, and I was there, and, and I don't know how we got talking about Revelation. They said, well, I don't, we don't like to talk about Revelation. It's too gloomy. And I said to them, Gloomy? Maybe to you it's gloomy because you don't follow the word of God. Connect the dots. But, but, uh, for me it's hope. It's all I look forward to is, is the book of Revelation, the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's not gloomy. It's all our perspective. What's our perspective? 
Is it gloom and doom as you read the book of Revelation? Or does it give us hope that we're looking forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ? What is our focus? Are we prepared? Are we reaching everybody we can? Are we living every day like it could be our last? Are we really living? That's, that's, the, that's the whole point of the book of Revelation. Are we really living? Re- Romans 13. Romans 13 talks about this. I'm just going to wrap it up here with Romans 13 verse 11 where it says, and do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissensions and jealousies. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Telling us how to live, live in the light, not in the darkness. Live getting ready for the coming, second coming of Jesus Christ. Telling us how to do that. Are we ready? Are you ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ? Most will dread it. Most will see the one that was pierced, but we don't have to dread it. We don't have to dread it with the rest of the world. We don't have to hide under rocks and in caves. We don't have to dread it because Jesus has made a way for us not to dread it. Jesus has made a way that, that, that not looking on one who is pierced, but someone who has been pierced for us. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says this. In Isaiah 53, I'm going to have to turn this one because I'm, I know it, but I got to have it already remembering the first word. Isaiah 53 5, where it says, but he was pierced. Remember the whole piercing in Revelation. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. His punishment that brought us peace was upon the, I'm sorry, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We are healed. 700 years before the cross, it, Isaiah predicted that the Messiah would die for us, would be pierced for us, would pay for our sins by that death. And we see it predict, see it fulfilled 700 years later, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray. Are you prepared for the second coming? Of Jesus Christ have you acted on his first coming for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life have you ever put your faith believed on him put your faith in Jesus Christ his death on that cross his resurrection from the dead have you put your faith in him for forgiveness and for a brand new life through the Holy Spirit's power, have you put your faith in Him? You can do that now. That's the only way to be prepared for the second coming is to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You can do that right now. The prayer of faith. God, I repent of my sin. I turn away from my old life. I ask you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith in Jesus, your Son. My faith in Jesus Christ, your one and only Son. His death, His resurrection 
for me. I put my faith in Him. I give my life to Jesus. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, if you take that step of faith, then something amazing has happened. Your sin has been washed away. The Holy Spirit has come and lived inside of you. You now have a new life starting this second and it goes on throughout all of eternity, forever. A new life with Jesus. A life of faith. For those of us who are already Christians, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Are we ready for the second coming? What if we knew Jesus was coming back today, right now? What would that change in our life? What would we pray about? What would we do differently today? What temptation would we resist and battle hard against? What trial would we persevere through? Who would we tell? Who would we share our faith with? Will we live Today, our prayer, God, I want to live today and every day like this could be the day. I pray each of us would live that way, Father. I pray it in Jesus' name. If you are a Christian and you need a reminder to live that way, write it down somewhere, put it somewhere, put it on your phone. Put it on the TV, put it on the bathroom mirror, put it somewhere you'll see on the car steering wheel. Something to remind you to live today like it could be the day that Jesus comes back again. And for those who have put their faith in Jesus, you've put your faith in Jesus, you are a new creation in Christ, you've, you've, you uh, have a whole new life ahead of you now, now throughout all of eternity, but I want to encourage you to let somebody know that you've put your faith in Jesus, given your life to him. Let somebody know. You have a family member or a friend, someone who's been praying for you, know of a good church or pastor nearby, Bible study, somebody, let somebody know. And if you don't have anybody you can tell, tell me. Uh, Chuck Wilson, uh, my email, nhcc at comcast.net. And I will be excited for you and help you grow and get you connected somewhere. So let somebody know, okay? All right, see you next time in the book of Revelation. God bless.